Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Tamim Jones, a 19-year-old young woman who disappeared from Mullica Hill, New Jersey, on April 18, 2002. The night before, Tamim spent the evening hanging out with some of her girlfriends. She dropped them all off at home afterwards, arriving home around 1 a.m., but no one ever saw Tamim again. The next morning, when she didn't come to pick up her daughter from the babysitter, her family went to her apartment to check on her, but Tamin is gone. Her car, however, was in the parking lot, and all of her personal belongings were left behind. 20 years later, she is still missing. What happened to Tamin, and who is responsible for her disappearance? This is Tamin's story. For the past 20 years, Tamin's family has been trying to get to the bottom of what really happened to her in the early morning hours of April 18th, 2002. They have accepted the real possibility that she is no longer alive, but they still want to know who took her from them and why. In the years following her disappearance, investigators have been unable to find any significant evidence to make an arrest, but Tamin is still missing and Whether she is still alive or not, her family deserves to know what happened to her. At just 19 years old, Tamin, known as Mimi by her family and friends, was a young mother doing her best to raise her then two-year-old daughter. Tamin had a job as a mail sorter for the U.S. Postal Service and had gone back to school to earn her GED. Her family said that she was a sweet girl who loved to draw growing up, and even though she had a few setbacks, she was trying to get back on track, and earning her GED was one of those steps. She had grown up in Salem County, New Jersey, raised by her mom, Cheryl, and dad, Thomas, who had given Tamin her name. He said it was the feminine version of his name. She also had a brother named Thomas, who was named after their dad. When Tamin was 15 years old, she began a relationship with a man named Mark Goodson. 
who was about six years older than her. And it was a relationship that her family was never happy about. According to reports, the relationship had serious issues from the start. But despite that, Tamin was young and she was easily wooed by the older Mark. A little while after they began dating, Tamin got pregnant. She was only 16 at the time, and becoming a mother at a young age often comes with a lot of sacrifices. But she embraced motherhood, and her family said that from day one, she was a dedicated mom to her daughter, who she named Janiyah. The details of Tamin's relationship with Mark during this time are hard to find, but her family said that the relationship was always on again, off again. And when their daughter was born in 2000, Tamin had to take Mark to court to make him pay child support. Her family didn't like the way that Mark treated Tamin, and according to reporting, at some point, the relationship between the couple had become violent, and Mark had allegedly been abusive to Tamin. But her family said that although she was smart, Tamin wasn't street smart and that Mark had a hold on her that she just couldn't let go of. And so she would take him back over and over again, even when her family was completely against it. However, no matter how many times the couple got back together, the issues they had remained. In 2001, Tamin made the decision to move out of her parents' home in Salem County to her own place in Mullica Hill. She wanted a chance to raise her daughter by herself and get a sense of independence. Her mom said that after she moved, she had attempted to hide the location of her apartment from Mark, but that he had eventually found out where she was. Now, after moving out, the issues, of course, in the relationship didn't go away. In early 2002, Tamin filed charges against Mark for assault. She told police that they had gotten into an argument and that Mark had punched her in the chest while she was standing in the bathroom. She said that the punch had made her fall back into the tub, causing injuries to her back. Mark was arrested for assaulting her, and it's not clear if they ever got back together. But according to her mom, by April of that year, the relationship between the two was over. Now, people close to Tamin said that for the most part, all she did was work and go to school and take care of her daughter. But on April 17th, 2002, she decided to hang out for a little while with some girlfriends of hers. Normally, Tamin worked the overnight shift at the post office, and she had been scheduled to work that night, but she had decided to call out and hang out with some of her friends. Before heading out, she dropped her daughter off at the babysitter, and that evening, instead of going to work, Tamin picked up her friends, and they headed to Salem City for a little fun. Now, they arrived at around 8 p.m. and stayed for a few hours talking and just hanging out with people that they knew that lived there. At around 11 p.m., the ladies left, and Tamin dropped her friends off. One lived in Salem, and the other lived in Pensgrove, New Jersey. And so she dropped both of them off and headed back to her apartment in Mullica Hill. And it's believed that she arrived home around 12.30, 1 a.m. And a little after arriving home, her friend called her to make sure that she had gotten home safe. And they talked for a little while, but it was the last time that anyone ever spoke to Tamin. The following morning at around 6 a.m., 
Tamin's family received a call from the babysitter telling them that she had not come to pick up her daughter. The babysitter was someone that was close to Tamin, but still, it was not like her to just not come pick her daughter up. She told her family that she had been trying to reach Tamin, but that she was not answering the phone. Now, the babysitter was unaware that Tamin had called out of work and hung out with friends instead. And because she worked the night shift, the babysitter was someone who typically watched her daughter anyway. And usually, Tamin would be there at around 3 a.m. to pick her back up. Now, even though she had not gone to work, she was still supposed to pick her daughter up at 3. Now, it could have been possible that Tamin had overslept, but the problem was... Everyone who knew her, including the babysitter, knew that this was out of character for Tamin. She wasn't the kind of mom who would oversleep or not come back when she was supposed to. Now, her mom, Cheryl, said that she was worried from the beginning. As soon as she learned that her daughter didn't pick up her granddaughter from the sitter, she knew that something had to have been wrong. Now, in an interview with KYW's Gone Cold podcast, Cheryl said that as soon as they hung up with the babysitter, she and her husband got in their car and drove over to their daughter's apartment to check on her. Cheryl said that on the way there to the apartment, they flagged down a cop who agreed to follow them to Tamin's apartment. And when they arrived, Cheryl's feeling that something was wrong was no longer a feeling. When they went to their daughter's apartment, they found that the door was open And when they went inside, what they found was even more unsettling. Cheryl said that on the floor was the baby bag that Tommy used for her daughter. She said it looked as if she had gotten the bag ready to take with her when she went to pick her daughter up from the babysitter. And they also said it looked like someone had ripped the phone out of the wall and hit it with something. They also found the keys to both her car and her apartment inside, but there was no sign of Tamin. And besides the phone, nothing else really seemed out of place. In the parking lot, they found Tamin's Ford Focus. And inside, they found her coach purse that her mom had bought her with her wallet inside. Back inside the apartment, her family were looking around, searching for any clues about where she might have gone, but... They couldn't find anything. Now, when detectives arrived at the apartment to help locate Tamin, they learned that she was not the kind of person who would have just left her daughter. However, that didn't stop police from assuming that she may not be missing. Now, Cheryl later recalled in an interview with NJ.com that in the beginning, police told her that maybe her daughter wasn't missing and maybe she had just run away. But... Everyone who knew Tamin knew that that wasn't true, and it didn't take police long to realize the same. By all accounts, she was a dedicated, responsible mom who took her daughter everywhere. She would not just leave her at the babysitter and not return. She also had a job and was in school, so she did not fit the description of a person who just up and left. And when they learned that she had left everything behind, including her wallet, The detectives on the scene quickly realized that this was not a runaway or a person who wanted to be missing. Detectives began to process the scene at the apartment and her car. 
searching for any clues about what happened to her that night. They began by interviewing witnesses in her building to see if they had seen or heard anything that night. They also spoke to Tamin's friends that she had hung out with and the babysitter, but no one seemed to have any idea what could have possibly happened to her. When police first arrived at Tamin's apartment, they weren't sure what happened to her. But after the scene was processed and evidence was collected, detectives would come to a disturbing conclusion. And this case would go from a missing persons case to a homicide. On April 18, 2002, 19-year-old Tamin Jones disappeared from her apartment in Mullica Hill, New Jersey, after a night hanging out with friends. Tamin had dropped her daughter off at a babysitter, but when she didn't return the next morning, the babysitter called her family to let them know that she couldn't get in touch with Tamin. When her family went over to her apartment to check on her, they found her door open, and in the parking lot, they found her car. But there was no sign of Tamin. As police began to collect evidence from her apartment, they would soon find out that this was not just a missing person case. Tamin had been met with foul play. In the hours and days after police had received the report of Tamin missing, they had begun to collect evidence from her apartment and car, and they had also begun interviewing witnesses. Phone records showed that the call from her friend early on the morning of the 18th was her last call. According to the detectives, they were able to collect a lot of evidence from in and around Tamin's apartment, but once they obtained warrants to do more extensive searches, they started to find more disturbing clues that something had happened to Tamin. Now, when detectives took a deeper look, they found evidence that there had been a struggle inside the apartment. On the bathroom door, they had found a shoe print as if someone had kicked the door in. Cheryl said that she wasn't sure whether or not that meant that Tamin had been in the bathroom or not, but police did tell her that they believed that there had been a struggle inside that apartment. After their discovery, detectives brought in cadaver dogs to search the apartment, and when they did, the dog went into the bathroom and sat near the edge of the tub and stayed there, indicating to police that they were dealing with a homicide, not a missing person. All the signs were pointing to the fact that Tamin was murdered, but without a body, police knew that they needed to find her in order to find her killer. But that would prove to be more difficult than they had anticipated. Now, investigators interviewed everyone they possibly could that had a connection to Tamin. They had already spoken to the friends that she was hanging out with that night, but they also went to Salem City where she had been that night and spoke to several people there that knew the young woman, but no one had any information about where Tamin could be. Now, as I researched this case, it started to become more and more clear that there are a lot of things about Tamin's disappearance and presumed murder that investigators will not discuss publicly. In 2018, when the detective leading the case spoke to KYW's Gone Cold podcast, 
he confirmed that there are things that he just can't discuss. Now, in the days and weeks following Tamim's disappearance, police had begun searching the areas in and around Malika Hill. They were searching by foot and by air. They focused on wooded areas and places where someone might try to hide a body. Her family also organized their own searches and printed their own flyers. They were very involved in this investigation, and they kept in constant contact with the detective on the case, trying to give them any information that they had or had learned about what happened to Tamim. Her family, however, believed that they knew exactly who was responsible for what happened to Tamim, and they believed that that person was Mark. Now, apparently, Tamim's family wasn't fully aware of all the things that had been happening in their relationship. They knew that there were issues, and they knew that he didn't treat her well, but they didn't know that he had been abusing her. Now, Cheryl said that they learned the truth about her daughter's relationship from her son, Tom, who had been asking around if people knew anything after Tamin disappeared. He told her that several people had told him that they knew Mark was hitting Tamin, but that they didn't say anything because it wasn't any of their business. And so after her family learned that Tamin had been allegedly abused, their focus on Mark as a suspect grew. But police had not named a person of interest let alone a suspect. Mark had a troubled past of his own and had been arrested around the time that Tamin had disappeared for possession of cocaine. Investigators said that they had gone to speak to Mark, but that he denied any involvement in what happened to Tamin. His denial, however, meant little to her family, who was convinced that he had something to do with what happened. Everyone who knew Tamin said that she didn't have any enemies. She wasn't a person who had problems with other people. And for the past two years, most of her life had been dedicated to raising her daughter. And so for her family, the only person in her life that they knew that was causing her problems was Mark. In August 2002, four months after Tamin disappeared, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, Mark pled guilty to the cocaine possession and to the sexual assault of a 13-year-old girl that he had recorded. He had five children with six different women, and according to the article, three of the women at some point had gotten restraining orders against him. Tamin's family didn't know all these things about Mark while she was with him, and it's not clear how much Tamin knew, but what her family found out was disturbing. Not only had Mark pled guilty to having sex with a child and taping it, but he had a history of domestic violence with other women he had been in relationships with, evidenced by the multiple restraining orders. And two years before Tamin went missing, another young woman who had been in a relationship with Mark met a tragic fate. Nayoka Bryce was 20 years old when she disappeared from Salem, New Jersey. She, too, had been in a relationship with Mark and was the mother of one of his children. She was last seen in February 2000 with one of her friends. Now, at the time of her disappearance, she was also six months pregnant. 
A month after she was last seen, her body was found in a creek. She was naked and had been bound with a telephone cord. The baby that she was pregnant with had been cut from her stomach. It was a gruesome murder, but her killer has never been caught. In fact, there is very little information about Naoka or her murder besides her connection to Mark and this case. Now, Mark has maintained that he had nothing to do with what happened to either woman. And he told the Enquirer that from the time Tommy disappeared, that police had been trying to connect the two cases. He said that police had interrogated him on numerous occasions, but he maintained that he wasn't a killer. Investigators had even questioned his mom. She told the Enquirer that she had been questioned for six hours by police after Tamin disappeared. She said that they had accused her of helping her son murder Tamin. She said that they had drawn that conclusion because a witness said that they had saw her driving Tamin's car around the time that she went missing. But she also maintained her innocence and said that she believed that her son was a victim of his own good looks. She claimed that women, quote-unquote, flock to him and that they drive him to violence. She said her son had his, quote-unquote, bad points, but that he was not a murderer. In his interview, Mark said a lot of things and revealed information about him being interrogated on several occasions, but detectives on the case were not talking. Whatever they knew about Mark, they were keeping close to the best because they never said anything about him. All of the information about Mark in connection to Tamin's disappearance either comes from local reporting about her case or from Mark himself. After his guilty pleas, Mark was sentenced to eight years in prison and was eligible for parole in 2005. In the months following Tamin's disappearance, the efforts to find her continued, and police followed leads, but they found no evidence leading them to her or her killer. Six months after she vanished, police officially announced that they were treating her case as a homicide. The searches continued, and police drained the same creek where Nyoka Bryce had been found two years earlier, but... They found nothing. Tamin's family had by then accepted that she was not coming back alive, but they wanted to be able to bury her. They wanted a place that they could take her daughter to, whose memories of her mom would fade. But despite the evidence that they had found and the leads that they did receive, investigators couldn't find Tamin. Cheryl and Thomas got custody of Tamin's daughter and began raising their granddaughter, but it was difficult trying to explain to a little girl what happened to her mommy, especially when you don't know. A year after Tamin's disappearance, her family raised money to erect two billboards, asking for any information about what happened to her. The billboards led to a few tips, but nothing substantial. In the years following, Tamin's case faded from the local news, but at least once a year, there would be an interview with her family about her story. And although there were no suspects and very little information coming in, detectives said that they were still actively working on Tamin's case. 
Her story never made it to the national news. Elizabeth Smart was abducted in June 2002, and her story was everywhere. But nobody got to hear Tamin's story. Year after year, her family continued to search for her. They, along with police, offered a $10,000 reward for information. But like the billboards, the reward had turned up very little information. Now, despite the lack of information that Tamin's family had gotten, they had never given up trying to find her. In 2018, Cheryl and the lead detective sat down with KYW podcast Gone Cold. And like I mentioned earlier, there were things in that interview that indicated that police do know things that they don't want to reveal out of fear that they'll jeopardize their case. In 2021, the detective leading the investigation spoke to NJ.com and said that this case was very much still an active case. And for him, it was a personal priority. He also said that, quote, it's very difficult when you know what happened, but you don't have the resources. We have a circumstantial case and we have a suspect, but it's not enough to roll the dice. For the detective, this case had weighed heavily on him. He had worked this case from the start and had kept in close contact with the family. When Janiyah, Tamin's daughter, started college, he sent her $350 in gift cards to help with her expenses. But as of today, 20 years after Tamin's disappearance, her case remains unsolved and she has not been found. And there's no new information about where her case stands and if detectives are any closer to finding out what happened. When Tamin dropped her daughter off at the babysitter on April 17, 2002, she had all intentions of coming back to pick her up. She had no idea that she would never see her again. For 20 years, her family has had to wonder what happened to her. She was only 19 years old. A baby herself, really. Losing her has been hard for her family, but not knowing what happened or why has made losing her harder. Mark Goodson has never been charged in connection with the murder of Nyoka Bryce or the disappearance and presumed murder of Tamim. He has, from the beginning, maintained his innocence, and police have never named him as a suspect. Investigators do believe that whoever is responsible for what happened to Tamin was someone that she knew. They doubt that she would have opened her door to a stranger that night, and so they believe that it was someone she knew and trusted. And they know that there's someone out there that knows something. And they need that person to come forward and say something. Tamin was a mother. Her daughter Janaya was just two years old when her mom left and never came back. Her grandparents did their best to give her a good life, but not having her mom and not knowing why left a void. Even after 20 years, Tamin's story deserves to be told. 
She, like so many others, didn't get the attention that they deserved when they went missing. And so, even after all of this time, she still deserves that attention. And she deserves for people to know her story. As of 2021, according to detectives, this was still a very active case, and so I assume it's still that way. But regardless, if there is someone out there that knows something, it's not too late to do the right thing and help this family get closure. Tamine Jones disappeared from her apartment in Mullica Hill, New Jersey, in the early morning hours of April 18th, 2002. She was last seen wearing a red, orange, and white sundress. She's five foot six, and at the time she disappeared, weighed approximately 135 pounds. She has dark hair and brown eyes. If you have any information about what may have happened to Tamine, please contact the Hamilton County, New Jersey Police. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. It also helps our show grow. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.